Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, Donald Trump just gave a major foreign policy and terrorism speech. And I got to tell you, the first part of the speech where he was taking down the uh, Obama and Clinton track record, I thought was pretty devastating. Yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think the beginning of the speech, uh, if, if you're able to look back past some of the errors in his presentation and exaggerations, was pretty effective. Not that it's a big challenge, I think, to make a, a sustained critique of Obama administration national security policy <laughs> seven months in. Look around the world. But to his credit, I think the beginning of the speech uh, hung together. It was more disciplined than, than uh, Donald Trump usually is. He didn't call Barack Obama the founder of ISIS, but instead uh, insisted that the president has spent a long time downplaying ISIS and radical Islam more generally. It was a more measured critique of uh, what I think are pretty clear Obama administration failures in, in national security policy. So after listening to the speech, if you had to just to summarize Donald Trump's foreign policy, would it be the phrase extreme vetting? That's the question. I mean, that'll certainly be the newsiest moment uh, to come out of the speech. But if you had to summarize his, his policy, I, I guess I would say, who the hell knows? Um, it really was was two speeches almost seemed like it was cut and pasted together. The first part was this sort of semi-coherent, um, reasonably compelling uh, critique of the Obama administration's approach to national security and specifically the question of, of jihadist terror. And then the second part was this this odd sort of mishmash of, uh, you know, Trump debate statements and refined um, policy promises uh, combined with uh, defenses of, of things he said in other contexts, in interviews. And, and it really doesn't hang together. I mean, I suppose you would say it's broadly non-interventionist um, with a lot of tough rhetoric on jihadist terror. I think you're overlooking the key role that Secretary of Vetting Vin Diesel is going to play, because when you need extreme, you need triple X Vin Diesel. And I also think that it's going to be interesting in the X Games coming up when extreme vetting is there by extreme snowboarding and extreme biking. I think Trump has started a whole new deal. But I want to get back to this notion that there's a, uh, you know, that was unclear. I don't If I had to summarize it, I would summarize it as I'm going to go kick the bottoms that the American voters want to have kicked. Is that an accurate description of the Trump foreign policy? Yeah, that I would say that some voters want to to go and have kicked. I mean, he basically said, if we're going to talk about being at war with um, radical Islamic terror, A, first, it's important to name the enemy and B, it's important to defeat the enemy. He, he gave us virtually nothing about how he would actually go about doing that. He said that he would be a president that would forge bipartisan consensus on issues of international uh, politics and security, that he would uh, bring together our, our partners and allies uh, to fight ISIS without really giving any explanation as to how he would do these things. He said specifically he wasn't going to get into the the military plan to defeat ISIS because he didn't want the enemy to know what the United States would be doing under President Trump. Um, but But it really, one of the lines that got the most applause in the speech was his promise that the United States would no longer be engaging in nation building, uh, which at least in that room in Youngstown, Ohio, uh, played pretty well. But again, there really wasn't much of a philosophy uh, that Donald Trump was offering uh, other than sort of bits and pieces picked out of the things that he said before 
tied together on a teleprompter. Ah, but he did mention uh, to the went Victor go the spoils and this kind of uh, view of that we'll go if we go to Iraq, we'll go and take the oil while we're there, or as it's known in the Trump White House, extreme fracking. So <laughs> he did. I mean, it's it was you know this is this is one of the parts of one of I guess several parts of the speech that I found internally contradictory and, and, and problematic beyond that, you know, that one sort of broad critique of Obama administration national security policy. Yeah, he said he's in a speech that is basically saying we're not going to get involved as much as we have been. We're going to beat up the bad guys where I, Donald Trump, want to beat them up. But otherwise, we're really not going to be that involved. In a, so so in, a, in a speech that's broadly non-interventionist, it's not He's not actually making any arguments about um, what he's at, what he's going to do. I mean, he, he you know talks about how he's going to keep the oil, take the oil and keep the oil. Well, you can't have a non-interventionist foreign policy in which you go in and plunder. Um, so, again, it, it didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, but there is, though, I think, an appeal he's making to the notion that Maybe you don't agree with me. Maybe you, you know, are a little comfortable with my temperament versus Hillary Clinton, who's been around a long time. But I know who the bad guys are, and she doesn't. And I thought Trump in his speech reminded people pretty effectively yet again that no matter what you think of him, you just have to just look in bewilderment at the Obama-Clinton approach. I think that's right. Um, and, and, and if he were able to present himself as a more plausible commander-in-chief, I would think that might be his very best argument. I mean, look at the world. Look at Hillary Clinton's role in this. And, you know, when he talked about, uh, you know, her sort of latching on to Barack Obama's unwillingness or inability to call Islamic terror, Islamic terror, to fight the jihadists in the way that they have to be fought to be defeated, to, to you know, her, her role in making decisions that have allowed uh, jihad the, the jihadist empire to grow, uh, that was where he was at his most compelling. It's the second part of that that I think he struggled with, not only in the speech, but struggled with as, as a, a candidate. I mean, he doesn't present himself as a plausible commander in chief. He says things that are, you know, internally contradictory in this speech and the rest of his campaign. Here again, he insisted that he had opposed the Iraq war from the very beginning when the record pretty clearly shows that he had not. He condemned the Obama administration for a premature withdrawal, withdrawal from Iraq when Trump himself said in 2007 that said that we should get out right away. He blasted Hillary Clinton for favoring intervention in Libya when Trump himself said that he favored intervention in Libya. I mean, the problem without actually having given much thought to these ideas is that when you, you take a position on every side at every moment based on where you think uh, the populace is, those things are going to change over time. And I think Trump is having to grapple with that now as he tries to lay out his views. Do you think parts of the speech were extremely vetted by the uh, Kremlin before we heard them? <laughs> well, oh, excuse me. Because I mean, I, remember, having your campaign manager working for a foreign country is extreme diplomacy. Well, he did say he, he thought it was time for, for better uh, relations with Russia. And it was, a, it was a line in his speech that got some applause. I'm not sure those, <laughs> those folks have read the New York Times story about Paul Manafort and his dealings with the Ukraine. But we should spend a second on the extreme vetting thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a funny line. It's the way that Trump characterized uh, what he wants to do to keep Americans safe here at home and how he's going to apply heightened scrutiny on people coming in from countries that have had uh, difficulty with jihadist terror on their own 
uh, turf, but what he described was this sort of ideological caste, and he's not going to allow people in who believe in Sharia or who don't believe in sort of the Trumpian view of American tolerance. Um, he, he laid out four or five different criteria that he would use potentially to exclude people from entry. It, it clearly was a, a sort of watered-down version of his, quote, complete and total ban on Muslims uh, entering the country, which he offered uh, last winter, and then later revised to sort of a geographical ban. Now he's revising it a little bit further down. Um, again, didn't get into any specifics about how how do you actually do that? I mean, you had more than 180 million people entered the United States last year, um, not all of them seeking to stay. But but I mean, would would we have give that test literally to everybody who comes in? I mean, how exactly do you do that? I mean, to, to new immigrants, what does the test look like? How do you do it? How do you ensure that the answers that you're getting represent what they actually believe? It seems like a, a proposal that you make when you want to fire up a particular part of your base who's very concerned with good reason about jihadist terror here in the homeland. But in terms of its practical effects, there's virtually no chance it could A, ever happen, and B, would be successful. That's simply because you haven't seen the new Trump vetometer. It's amazing. They clip it to your fingers. <laughs> and, you know, when I was in college, I went to a small evangelical college, and I was actually, I'm not making this up, Steve, on attitudinal probation. And I always ask, how did you put me, what, was it the attitudeometer at some point, whatever? They'll have those same people. They'll just kind of look at the would-be immigrants from you know, the Middle East and figure out where they are. Well, thank you for helping us figure out uh, what Donald Trump had to say and where to go forward. Steve Hayes with The Weekly Standard. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to The Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check for podcasts regularly at weeklystandard.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham.